Hey everybody, week 12's finally over. Felt like it took about a month, but we're moving on. So welcome to week 13 and the NFL Road Show with Lindsay Rhodes and the guy who is crushing me in fantasy this year from DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channel and Amazon Prime's NFL Next and the Fantasy Five podcast, James Coe. What up, buddy? Hey, uh, great to see you. Uh, I'm actually offended. It took this long for me to get onto the uh, onto the, the no. road show. What's going on here? You've been busy. Uh, I know. Been now you're going to force me to call you out because I asked you to come on earlier and you were like, mm, sorry, real busy. <laughs> That's actually a good point. I, I've, been, I've been insanely busy. Yeah. So but no, James, it's been great. James and I work together on Sundays on DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channel and we do an in-house DFS competition, early games only, so that we can pay it off while we're still on the air and talk trash uh, if we need to, which if I win, we definitely need to. Um, If other people win, it's very not not appreciated. Uh, James is coming off his fourth win of the year. I've only won once and I am struggling to come to terms with my mediocrity. Uh, I, you know, it's just been, it has been a kind of a a funny, crazy, weird year. Although Lindsay, I got to say you have, for whatever reason, a, a very interesting penchant to find players that give you zero. Right. I don't, I don't get how that's happening. Like, you know what I mean? Like Uh, like Brandon Cooks put up a goose egg. Right. Exactly. Like in in a great matchup and crushed it. You know, yes. so it's just, it's, it's very, I don't, I don't get it. It's so odd, you know, because it's not like you're picking these, these rando, like, you know, third string tight ends or something. No, it's like you're playing guys that traditionally are getting volume, they're getting stuff done. And then for whatever reason, they go into your lineup and it's a fat goose egg. And I, don't get, <laughs> I don't get how that's happening, but anyways, but yeah. So- You're going to, well, I'll tell you right now, you're going to learn on Sunday. My strategy with DFS this week is totally different. Um, I have decided, in fact, I put together my entire DFS roster before I started studying any of the week 13 games. Oh, okay. I like it. So my new strategy is stop overthinking it. Stop getting into all of the minutia of like, you know all of the specific details that tell right. you that this guy might break out in a way that he hasn't already and all of that <laughs> stuff, um, which clearly isn't working for me. I literally just looked at the matchups and was like, that guy's good and the team that he's playing is not good. And I tried to fill out my roster that way. And now the trick is whether or not I can be disciplined enough to not change it once you know what I, now that you all know the what studying really like? has kind of taken place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I really like too? It's like that's like you like entering into like the force. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I'm just at this point channeling something. Yeah, because like at this point, you know what it is. I you say it all the time. It's like we know what these teams are um as we are going into week number 13, right? You are what you are at this point. And so, you know, yeah, we can look at the numbers and 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 overanalyze some of these matchups, but if you are a football junkie, if you're an NFL, you know, you know, aficionado like you're like, like you are, um, it's like, you've watched enough football to know, okay, well this team's good or this team is bad. This player is good. This player is bad. And I don't really need a ton of numbers, uh, to explain some of these things. I just know it's a a good player and a good matchup. Um, and and quite honestly, I, I think there's a lot to that, you know, and sometimes we do kind of overanalyze and overthink. And um, I, I know for myself, I, I fall into that trap all the time of like fading good players because the numbers tell me it's a bad matchup or whatever it might be, you know? Yes. So um, I think there's, there's a lot to that. Well, uh, we'll get to the guys who fit into your DFS strategy in just a bit. First though, the latest headlines as we head into the weekend, let's go ahead and break the huddle. First up, just brutal news learned yesterday about the lone undefeated team in the NFL, Bud Dupree, out for the season with a torn ACL. That is a big blow for the Steelers' pass rush as we come down the stretch. Looking ahead, the Seahawks found out Thursday that they'll get Josh Gordon for the final two weeks of the season. He's been suspended since last December for substance abuse. Who knows if this will turn into anything, but it's worth mentioning as we know what he can be when he is at his best Seattle will have him for their games against the Rams and the Niners. As for this week's games, Dolphins coach Brian Flores says that he'll make a decision about his quarterback on Sunday as Tua Tungavailoa works through a thumb injury. 
That, of course, led to Ryan Fitzpatrick starting last week. I know a lot of people in fantasy land crossing their fingers that Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the nod there. Daniel Jones says that he's feeling better. He's trying to get back on the field this week. Expectation, though, is that it will be Colt McCoy under center for the Giants against the Seahawks. Three teams can clinch berths this week. The Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Saints all have scenarios. Jags and the Jets are already eliminated from playoff contention. The Bengals and Chargers could join them on the scrap heap on Sunday. Let's hope that you are not eliminated this week. It's the last week of the regular season for most fantasy leagues. Playoff berths on the line. Do you have any advice for how to handle that, James? Do's and don'ts as you come down the stretch? Um, you know, I think if you're kind of holding on and, and waiting for guys to kind of develop, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, we're going to week 13. You know, I, I think handcuffs are probably a little bit more valuable uh, for your top end guys. So, you know, I don't think Alexander Madison is out there, but if he's out there that he's cer- certainly somebody um, that you could snag up off the waiver wire if he's available, but anyone, you know, who's um, Josh Jacobs, you know, find the appropriate handcuffs there. You know, I, I think there's Devontae a, a sleeper. Devonte Booker is the guy, right? So um, yeah. And Philip Lindsay's coming back, but you know, let's say he misses time or whatever it might be. Um, you just want to find the guys that you feel like, um, can certainly contribute to your team if there is an injury to strike your own roster. And I think, you know, kind of insuring yourself against injuries, I think it probably makes a lot of sense. And you could do it for wide receivers too. Um, it's a little bit more of a tricky game, but, um, but certainly it can be done. That reminds me, I think that I submitted a waiver claim to try and get somebody I needed this week. And I think I agreed to drop Small uh, Williams in Green Bay. So I might need to take that back. Which is weird that I still have time to do that since waivers don't go through until Friday. I know. It's Mm. crazy. Everything's weird about this week. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, how important is it from a fantasy standpoint? Who does it affect if he's the guy or not? Devontae Parker looks like he's primed to have a very good matchup this week, but I don't know how comfortable I feel playing him if it's to a tongue of Iloa. Well, you know, no matter what, he's the guy, Devontae Parker. He is the number one, and Miami really has shown that they're not going to play too many wide receivers. So Devontae Parker is going to be out there a lot. They don't. It's a team in Miami that doesn't have a lot of wide receiver depth, and the way the offense is structured, seemingly, um, it doesn't seem like they really spread the ball around either. So um, it's going to be a highly concentrated passing attack. They don't have any running backs um, of note. They're, They're entire running back room it feels like it's very depleted you know the running you know deandre washington out there matt Breida maybe possibly uh is going to get some run too so uh, again it's a messy running back situation and you know quite honestly i am impressed you know we talk about brian flores you know what he's done for the defensive side of the ball to be honest with you Lindsay, i'm actually more impressed with what he's done on the offensive side of the ball How? to be honest with you because look other than Devonte parker who's a tried and true you know, grade A, good offensive weapon. I don't see one. Um, their running back room is honestly on paper yeah. atrocious. Yeah. Um, their offensive line has gotten way better uh, under Brian Flores' watch as well. And again, you look at it's an offensive line that, you know, they, they traded away Laramie Tunsil. I don't see a huge drop-off in the offensive line. Last year was one of the worst O-lines in football, and and they've slowly but steadily improved. Now, I know the defensive side of the ball gets a lot of attention, but and I've said it on our show, I'm impressed, sure, but you got to keep in mind they've also put a lot of money on that side of the ball. So I'm actually more impressed what they've done offensively because they really, honestly, on paper, have no talent there. Yeah, They have gotten a lot better on defense, though, and that's uh, worth mentioning, though, as you said, that resources have been piled into that. So uh, talking about Devontae Parker, just to finish the thought there, the Bengals allowing the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers in the last four weeks. So plus matchup, regardless, you're going to plug him in. I guess what I said, I didn't feel as comfortable playing him with Tua is under center. He is in my DFS lineup this week, and I might take him out if Tua is the quarterback, just because there might be another option out there that is uh, better considering the amount of volume that they funnel through the passing game when two is there as opposed to fits, especially in the explosive plays department. He does particularly well with Fitz under center and Preston Williams yeah. inactive. If that's the case, uh, since 2019, he averages just under 10 targets a game and over 100 receiving yards in that scenario. So he is in a position where he could potentially feast. 
in this matchup against the Bengals. What do you think about Daniel Jones's injury and how that affects people's fantasy value there in New York? I don't love it. Um, Daniel Jones is a player that um, has historically, a lot like Ryan Fitzpatrick, just tried to fit the ball in where he can. He doesn't care about coverage, honestly. <laughs> He's just going to fire it in um, and ask his receivers to make plays. And now, is that good from a real life perspective? Not really, you know, but. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, you kind of sort of love it because he's going to feed targets uh, to his top guys. And in New York, that's, you know, guys like Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, who um, they're trying to find uh, touches for. They're really trying to manufacture touches for Evan Ingram. So if no Daniel Jones, um, no, you, you don't feel really great about it, uh, certainly with what they have remaining at quarterback. Even against the Seahawks. You know, you know what's funny? I've been saying, I, I, and I know that the Seahawks, um, from a numbers perspective, have, have given up a ton of yards on the ground. They've given up a ton of yards uh, through the air, especially. But honestly, when I look at the advanced metrics, they're actually not that bad, to be honest with you. Um, they do get decent amount of quarterback pressures. They don't necessarily finish those pressures, obviously, because they you know can't buy a sack to save their life. But I will say, you know, they made the trade for Carlos Dunlap and you saw him make plays. He's helping. Uh, especially, yeah, he's absolutely helping. Damon Harrison, by the way, um, is starting to get up to speed as well. So that defensive line to me, I think has drastically improved since um, picking up snacks and picking up Carlos Dunlap. Um, and I just don't think that their defense is quite as bad as people are making them out to be. But yes, yeah, certainly you can pick on them from a fantasy perspective. Um, but man, it is awfully hard um, to trust the passing assets there for the Giants. I think they're just going to try to keep it on the ground. And, and certainly Wayne Gallman, um, he's been a find. Uh, I mean, he has been a real find, especially in fantasy. And to be honest, in real life too, I think he's been playing pretty good football. I submitted a waiver claim for Wayne Gallman today. I could not believe that he was still available on the waiver That's wire crazy. in one of my leagues. It's completely crazy. Apparently, crazy. a lot of people are falling asleep at the switch, including me, because he was there. <laughs> but he has five straight games with 13-plus fantasy points, and those were not against awful run defense. No. This uh, Seahawks run defense is the first really poor run defense that he's going to face. So considering the fact that he's had the success that he has had against the defenses that he's played is pretty impressive. He's also scored a touchdown in five straight games coming off his best rushing output of 94 yards. And then the Seahawks, this is a crazy number. They're giving up an average of 28.4 fantasy points to running backs. I don't yeah, even know is. how that's possible. <laughs> um, and, and you know what you love about that number two, if you are playing Wayne Gallman, is the fact that they don't have any other anyone else in that backfield. It's Wayne Gallman, and that's it. I mean, that is what's so crazy um, about what he's doing right now. He's the workhorse. You know, a lot like James Robinson in Jacksonville. It's like these guys who are just straight up 1A, 1B, 1C, they are the running game. They are so few and far between. Um, and, and to see that kind of volume, uh, it's certainly, you need to pay attention no matter what you think of their talent level, the volume is there for those guys. Worth mentioning at the wide receiver position for the giants, just in case people are still thinking that they should take advantage of this Seahawks defense from a wide receiver standpoint. Sterling Shepard's the guy to go with if you're going to go with anybody, not Slayton. Slayton's been losing out on opportunities to Shepard lately. Shepard seen eight targets and for the last five should get an opportunity as I assume they'll be playing from behind. But that Seahawks D to further your point about the fact that they're not as bad as people think they've given up nine 100 yard games to wide receivers this year. That's awful. But seven of them were in the first four weeks of the season. Right. So um, that's only two since then. So to your point, they the numbers were so out of hand early on that they're still average. They still average out to be pretty bad now, but they're not as bad now <laughs> as they were uh, then. You know, and and I and I wonder too, right? Like, has the let Russ Cook movement kind of sort of very quietly Done. died? But you know by, I mean? like absolutely, yeah. and 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 necessarily so, in my opinion, because the defense is bad enough that you need you need to keep them off the field longer. You need to run the ball. Now that you have Chris Carson back and Carlos Hyde back, I say you you need to get them more touches and kind of even it out. I think you need to go back to more of what the Seahawks have traditionally been 
And I think it's not because Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett aren't amazing because they are. It's because the other facets of the game kind of, this is what the team needs in order to actually win games, in my opinion. Well, I think it's what the coaching staff is comfortable with too, you know? I mean, you know, you got to think about, is it, is it a marriage? Is it harmony philosophically for the coaching staff and the players? And, and I think when you get those two things working together um, and all working towards the same goal, I, I think that's when you really see special things happen. And I don't know, I, I never felt like Pete Carroll and the coaching staff was, was comfortable with letting, you know, Russ cook or basically throw 50 times a game, you know? It's so not I, who he I is. Think, yeah, it doesn't, you know, I mean, we're talking about an old man. I mean, I know he's hey, got that young now, guy vibes. Let's but... rephrase. That <laughs> is, is a young at man. heart, Pete Carroll. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But the dude is set in his ways. He's got to be now, you know? I mean, he's been so successful for so long uh, playing a certain style of football um, to, to now change it all up. It just seems, I don't know. I, I just never felt like Pete Carroll, um, was comfortable with that. How much does Will Fuller's absence affect Deshaun Watson's fantasy value down the stretch is real life value too. I mean, the team Deshaun, we've, we've sung his praises for the last couple of weeks. He's just bawling out on a bad yeah. team, not getting the credit that he deserves, but maybe that Thanksgiving Day game in the national spotlight helped change that. And then just so 2020 for the immediate follow-up to that game to be him losing <laughs> his number you know, one wideout. You know what I look for um, in a fantasy quarterback and Deshaun Watson checks all these boxes. You know, you want a guy to be a, of course, talented, which is great. Um, you want him to have a, I think a varied amount of weapons, you know, and I think that's what he had with Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, uh, Randall Cobb when he was healthy. I, Jordan Akins has actually been a pretty good find for them as well. Um, and then you really want a good quarterback with a bad defense. <laughs> and that's what we got here with the Houston true. Texans too, um, because they're constantly having to either a keep up or catch up. And that's great for your fantasy quarterback. Um, their defense still stinks. Um, and I know Will Fuller losing Will Fuller is going to hurt overall. Um, I think Deshaun Watson will still be able to maintain some, you know, most of his value, let's say like 90% of his value, but going over the top with um, Will Fuller was something that he had in his bag at all times. And now that's gone. I like Brandon Cooks overall as a player. Um, and you know, Do you like him I as a one. I don't. That's what he is all of a sudden. I know. I, and I don't, um, I think he's an awesome one B um, and I think that's where that's a role that he thrives in and has thrived in a lot this season, but with Will Fuller gone and you know, all that bracket coverage moving away, I actually don't think despite the fact that he may see more volume, I actually don't think it's actually a positive move for Brandon cooks for Deshaun Watson to, to, to your question. I kind of sort of see him as a slight downgrade, but still not much because his defense still stinks. Jordan Aikens. John McClain has said that he thinks we'll maybe see him worked in a little bit more in the passing game. They haven't really used him that much. They've gone to a lot of 12 personnel, but it's not like he's been a fantasy superstar as a result. No. Do you expect that to change? Does he become playable or are you still wary about plugging him in? Yeah, I'm not trusting it um, as of yet. I think Kiki Kuti is probably going to be their inside guy. I mean, unless Akins has some kind of X receiver ability that we don't know about, um, I would imagine uh, we're going to see a little bit more of a pared down offense. They just don't have the receivers. I mean, look, they cut Kenny Stills for whatever reason. You know, Will Fuller goes down with injury. I, there's nobody else other than Brandon Cooks who profiles as an X receiver. So no. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know where they're going to go. Do you know, it, it, I, again, another guy who can, I think, play <laughs> to the inside. Um, I think he could play inside receiver. I, I think he's, the, I think he's talented enough to do that, but it's, this isn't, by, by the way, that's not how Deshaun Watson plays football. Um, he is not a dink and dunk. Let's throw into the slot. Let's throw a bunch of hitches and quick outs. Like that's not his game. His game is to hang in the pocket, look for big plays, and then make them, you know? Um, so who's that dude that can make these plays? I don't, I don't really see it. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I think it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period for, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, it might even be a, just a half a football, but some kind of adjustment period 
for Deshaun Watson to kind of get used to the fact that he doesn't have a, a, an X receiver, an explosive X receiver to go downfield. I mean, whether we're talking about Will Fuller or New Hopkins or whoever it is, he had somebody who could always make plays, contested ball situations down the field. I don't think he's got that because as good as Brandon Cooks is, to me, he is somebody that um, I, don't, I just don't see him as the nine route, go and get it guy. You know what I mean? Deep crossers, fine. Um, deep outs, great. You know, whatever you want. Corner routes, great. But um, I just don't see him as, as a, a, a go up and get it type dude. So um, I wonder how long it will take Deshaun Watson to kind of adjust. This is all making me very sad considering <laughs> – uh, for Deshaun Watson, but also for my roads to Tampa fantasy squad, which is the best one of the three season-long leagues that I play, has Deshaun Watson as its quarterback, heading into the postseason without any weapons. All right, lots more fantasy advice on the way coming up after this. And we're back, and it is Fantasy Friday. <laughs> James Coe, I want to know who the best matchups are of the week. Who are the people that you are the most excited to play hmm. um, um, because of the matchups that await them? There's, I mean, there's a couple of players that, you know, I won't state some of the more obvious guys, but I'd really like Damian Harris, by the way, uh, this week for New England. Um, he has kind of fallen on hard times the last couple of weeks, but I think he's supremely talented. Uh, takes on a Chargers defense that is giving up a ton of production uh, to the running back position. And, and, you know, the Chargers, you know, when I kind of sort of take a look at what they've done against running backs, they're allowing 4.78 yards per carry to opposing backs. That's the third most in the NFL. Um, and some of the next gen stats that I work with as well. Um, you know, they're pretty favorable when you take a look at, at what they're doing. So, um, for example, you know, they're only stuffing the run at uh, 19% of the time, which to kind of put in context, that's actually the eighth lowest run stuff percentage in the NFL. So it's a, it's a defense that does struggle against the run. And I think Damian Harris is a player that can absolutely get loose. Um, and he has, you know, obviously not done great the last couple of weeks, but I do anticipate him getting back and doing big things here in week number 13. How about, and I don't even feel good saying this because I don't know that I would feel comfortable playing him for various reasons. There are people that I just decide are not good at fantasy at some point, and then they're dead to me forever, even if they prove me wrong at some point. And David Montgomery is one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm Coming off his him. first 100-yard game of the season, it's nope. a great matchup okay you're saying no but let me finish my point okay and i'm not saying to play him because as i just said mm, i i wouldn't but uh you need to know it's a good matchup against the lions who are allowing the most fantasy points per game to running backs that right. said montgomery only had eight points against them in week one that was a while ago and i think that the lions are going to play so well on sunday the, the Bears are three points, three point favorites in this game, and I'm not yeah. a better. I'm really toying with the idea of place, placing a bet on the hey, Lions. There you go. I I'm not. Yeah, that's a, that that's a game about, like, I don't want to touch. Patricia, but Patricia being out, I am convinced that that Lions defense is going to play out of their minds. I think there are a lot of people in that building that were very excited and feel unleashed now. Uh, he had this this commitment to playing man when they clearly didn't have the personnel to play man, they play more man coverage than any other defense in the league. I mean, I just think that things are going to be different in Detroit, particularly on the defensive side of the ball this week. So I'm not saying they're going to come out and they're going to be the Steelers all of a sudden, but I think they're going to be a lot better than they've been, if for no other reason than just that one-week boost that we sometimes see, for good or bad. Sometimes teams, once their coach gets fired, they come out and they're mad because they feel offended that their coach was right. fired, like they need to step up. And we see that one-week surge. Whatever reason, for whatever reason it happens this week, I think we're going to see it in Detroit. I would not be surprised. I expect them to win. I expect the defense to play much better. So I would keep that in mind when considering to play David Montgomery. But historically the Lions have allowed a lot of fantasy points to running backs and it's my duty to pass that information along to you the viewer. 
<laughs> uh, coming into last week, anyways, the, the Lions had given up the most fantasy points per game to running backs, uh, period. So um, certainly David Montgomery looks like an interesting matchup. Um, and, and let's be honest here, running back, it's a tough position, you know? So if you're in, uh, you know, a redraft league of 12 teams or more, you're almost priced in to playing David Montgomery. You know, if you're one of those teams that are, is like lucky enough to, to have so much depth that, you know, he's not even worth a flex play for you. Good for you. You know, uh, that means you have a pretty deep team, but I, I would say if you have the depth, I would not play David Montgomery. I, I feel even like even with again, that matchup, even with the matchup, because I'm with you a hundred percent. I think they're going to play way better. Um, and I'm just, look, green Bay, Green Bay is also a terrible defense against the run. You know, that's my point. Um, so are the Lions. The, I so, know that the Lions. I know that the Lions are up until this point. But to your point, I agree with you. I think that they are going to play a hell of a lot better. Um, the 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 other coach that really comes to mind, right, is Bill O'Brien and yeah. the Texans. My God, when they got rid of him. The cap just came off. And I know they're still losing games, but they're a hell of a lot more fun to yeah. watch. They're yeah. a hell of a lot more interesting of a football team with Bill O'Brien gone. Um, and yeah, and I think the the Lions will be the same way. You know, uh, do they have the personnel? No, they don't. Uh, but that being said, Chicago, they stink. Yeah, <laughs> so I know. It, it, you know what I mean? So it's not like we're, we're saying you, you got to invest in a player that has been playing well for a team that is playing well. No. Yeah. As a matter of fact, all if these you wanna, touchdowns are coming. They're not. I know. They're, they're not. not. And, and, and the other thing, too, Lindsay, is the fact that you, we talk about the coaching and, and just the overall mood of a team. The Bears feel like they are one of the worst like mood teams in the NFL. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yes. I don't know it's if they've like they given know. up. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they've given up on Nagy or whatever it is, but watching them play, it's very lifeless. It's lifeless totally. football. And I don't want to invest in any player other than Allen Robinson because he's such a good player getting great volume. Other than Allen Robinson, I don't want any, and I don't want anything to do with anyone on that squad, period. Because first of all, I hate watching them play football. Um, at least offensively, they're great defensively, but, uh, and, and just overall the body language stinks. I mean, yeah. they just look like they've completely given up on the, they're playing football. Like they're double parked. Like they got to get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the way they play football. I don't want to watch that. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be watching, you know, David Montgomery carries. I just don't care. And, uh, Jimmy Graham, it's like, he's not even the tight end anymore. They've gone with Colk met in recent right. weeks. And so, yeah, there's no, I'm with you hundred percent. I need to give a shout out to our producer, Saul Malone, who last week predicted David Montgomery. And I rolled my eyes and said, Oh, I was like trying to be nice about it, but I was like, it's David Montgomery. I'm not playing David Montgomery. And then poof, his best game of the year, a right. hundred yards. And, and I feel silly. Uh, I know that this one's super obvious from a running back standpoint. Chubb and Hunt, yes, you're going to play Chubb for sure. Right. It's a good matchup this week. Um, 12, who are they playing again? Why do I not have that right in front of Tennessee. me? Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay, so 12 running backs have had double-digit carries against the Titans, and eight of those running backs have scored a touchdown, and Chubb and Hunt have each had double-digit carries in – uh, every game that they've played together. They are, I think that they're going to have their way against this defense. So, but again, Chubb is a guy clearly you're going to play. This is more of a DFS note that I think that he will meet his value this week. I have a question about the Colts running backs because the Texans have the second worst rush defense in the league. Derrick Henry okay. went for 212 against them. Both Browns backs that I just mentioned went over 100. But the question is, is there a Colts running back who could take advantage of that from a fantasy standpoint? Is Jonathan Taylor, Taylor coming back, you know? And, and I think that's my major Well, he was question. activated on Wednesday, so it looks like he will, right? Because he missed last right. week's game because of COVID. Yep. But do if you he's there, trust that? A, yeah, I mean, if he's there, it's a smash spot for him, you know? And, and obviously, I've kind of made the whole mental, you know, process of kind of downgrading him already. Um, when he first assumed that mantle of, of, you know, of that role with Marlon Mack going down, I was so excited about Jonathan Taylor. I thought, okay, this, is, this dude right here could be a top five running back the rest of the way. 
obviously I have had to not only temper my expectations, but completely, you know, reevaluate um, where I put Jonathan Taylor. And, and right now I kind of have him slotted in as a high upside RB2, you know, so outside my top 10, maybe outside my top 15, um, somewhere in that, you know, top 20-ish range for, for Jonathan Taylor at the running back position. But certainly it's a smash spot for him. Houston is absolutely abysmal against the run. It doesn't matter if you go inside, if you go outside, it doesn't matter if you're running gap. It doesn't matter if you're running outside zone, inside zone. These guys are getting beat. Um, they're getting beat like an absolute drum. Um, and it's a smash spot for Jonathan Taylor. Now, all of that being said, I know the guru, John Hansen, is, is kind of a Jonathan Taylor apologist. And as a matter of fact, he's actually even said he is a JT apologist. But Who works when I watch JT show. run... Yeah. Um, I see a complete lack of vision. And that to me is a problem, right? Um, so, Slight. yeah. I, look, there are wide open holes and he's just flat out missing them. Um, the offensive line, I think, is giving him some space, but he's just not taking advantage. That being said, the, these holes that are going to be opened up against the Houston Texans, not even Jonathan Taylor can miss these holes. <laughs> it can't be possible. So he has the athletic profile. He's a big, strong, fast runner, powerful runner when he gets into the open space. Um, and I think if he can get into the open space, I think he will have. I'll just go ahead and say it. I think he's going to have the best game uh, that he has had from a fantasy perspective and a real-life perspective this week, week number 13, against the Houston Texans. Naeem Hines on your bench? What do you do with no, him? I, His last I think four games play touch – his touches in the last four games, because I know you, as every fantasy expert should, track volume, right? It's all about opportunity. The problem Naeem Himes is you don't, Hines, is you don't know when the opportunity is going to come. Right. His touches in the last four weeks are 18, 9, 17, 4. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> um, I guess if we're going on the uh, every other week plan, you know, this is, <laughs> this is the, this is the week for Naheem Hines. Um, no, look, it, it's, no, it's, it's not. Tough. Cause last week was 18. I did it backwards. Oh, so. okay. Okay. Well, this is, this is the week then to, to fade away Naheem, but no, I look, I think it's a, it's a situation for him. Um, whenever I look at pass catching running backs, I, I kind of look at the other team, to be honest with you. Can they put up points? Can they score? Can they make it uncomfortable for the Colts where they've got to feel like, okay, we've got to put up some points. Um, and I think the Texans with, even without Will Fuller, um, I think that they will be able to do that, you know? So um, we saw last week too, look, the, the injuries, they piled up for the Colts. Um, they were missing a lot of key players on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they struggled defensively. So I think Houston will be able to still put up points with Deshaun Watson and Brandon Cooks, and you know they're, they're going to get David Johnson back and all that. So um, I think they'll still be able to put up points, and I think they will make it uncomfortable for the Colts, meaning Phillip Rivers, like he always is apt to do, will check it down to this running back every now and again. And I think Naheem Hines should see some decent volume, but um, – and I don't think it is a, you know, binary decision. Do you play Jonathan Taylor or do you play Naheem Hines? I think you can play both. At least in a PPR format, you can play both and expect reasonable results from the two. Tell me a quarterback I could play this week. Was a good matchup at that position? A quarterback that I believe um, that is, oh man, I, and I, and I know Seattle's given up a ton. Are we trusting Colt McCoy? I know I just went on this whole thing about not trusting Colt. You're not least, kidding. You're, you would think about playing Colt McCoy? I, I think that Colt McCoy can spread it around enough to make him a viable fantasy uh, starter in 12-team or deeper leagues. What? Um. Is he going to make those returns? I don't know. Look, bottom line is it's not it, when you're when you're trying to stream this position. Um, there is kind of the assumption that um, some of the top end you know backups are all gone. Like Jared Goff is a top top flight you know quarterback too. I would assume he's not available on your waiver wire. But if you are somebody that was playing Daniel Jones, you know maybe um, maybe you don't necessarily like the lineup. Uh, you don't like Stafford against Chicago because that's a terrible matchup, right? Um, what are you going to do? Stat. Let, let me ask Would you. Would you play Stafford, Colt McCoy over Stafford? 
I was just about to throw that out to you. Um, and to me, actually, in my mind, it's actually close. It's actually close. Detroit going on the road. They're going against Chicago, and Chicago secondary is one of the best in, in the NFL. Um, it's close. It's close to me. It is. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. L- like I said, is Colt McCoy going to be a top 12 guy? No, probably not. But I will say this. I think some of the top 12 guys are going to be on people's benches. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so if you are in need of a streaming quarterback, at least Colt McCoy is somebody who is a professional quarterback, has played the position for a long He's time. He's a professional quarterback. That's your... Hey, Listen, that's better than like, let's say like... You should definitely play him in fantasy because he's a professional quarterback. <laughs> I'm just saying he's better than like, let's say like Ben DiNucci. You, you know what I'm saying? He's not Jake Luton, you know? What, like the what, dude can actually play the position a little bit. What about Derek Carr? Can I go back to him this week? He Derek let me down Carr. big time last week. I got to say, because um, uh, no, no, I've been holding off on him. People have been high on him from a fantasy standpoint. I've kind of sat right. back and said, you know, yeah, yeah. he's not really, that's not his thing. He's not a fantasy quarterback. Like that's just not who he is as a quarterback. Yeah, and yeah. then he had the game against the Chiefs and then the matchup that he had last week against the Falcons. And I was all in. Okay, fine. Let's play Derek Carr this week. And right. he put up and four points for me. Four. Yeah. So it, I'm not um, mad at him because, you know, he's never said, hey, I'm a big fantasy quarterback. That was us. But can I go it's back a, to him this week against the Jets? Because it's the Jets. I think so. I think so. Um, look, Atlanta's defense last week. Um, well, I don't even think it was Atlanta's defense, to, to be honest with you. I think you made the point, right, that Las Vegas seemed like they were playing a little lifeless after yeah. uh, playing a very tight um, contested game against the world champs in the, in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, there in week number 11. Maybe a little bit of a letdown game, uh, especially going on the road um, you know, traveling from Las Vegas to Atlanta uh, to take on the Falcons. Certainly an emotional letdown game in week number 12. I think they get back right. They're going to travel to uh, New York or New Jersey or whatever, take on the Jets this week. Look, the A Jets- team they lost to last year, remember? I mean, this is an awful situation for Raiders fans. Just because this was, they, they had like a big win the week before they played uh-huh. the Jets last year. And then they played the Jets who were awful last year. I completely lost. forgot about that, but you're right. If I'm a Raiders um, fan, I'm very nervous this week, <laughs> which is weird because it's the Jets and they're trying I, to lose. Yeah, look, the bo- I think I think the bottom line is the Jets have the worst cornerback tandem in the NFL. They really do. Look, they cut Pierre Desir. They're you know, bless Austin um, was put on IR. Uh, it's just it, this is a literal practice squad secondary that they are throwing out there um, playing with an offense that cannot sustain drives and going up against a, a Raiders offense that I think can put up points, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, Derek Carr, uh, Darren Waller. These are all assets that I think are playable this week um, against the Jets. I, I'm really high on Derek Carr. I think, I think he's going to not only have a bounce back week, but I think locked and loaded, I think he is a top 12 fantasy quarterback this week. I like it. And Darren Waller, who you mentioned, who had a down game last week, also everyone did. It was so it was it was nonsensical. Like, how did none of these guys pop? Like, no, no, one, you know, none it was, of it them. Was crazy, right? No, I said it was Nelson. Nelson Aguilar was my sleep like a baby pick on our Sunday show, and then all of those explosive plays went to Henry Ruggs, which I've been rooting for all season long. I didn't want it to happen the one week that I'd called Aguilar's <laughs> name to be that guy. But back to Waller, the Jets have allowed the most touchdowns yeah. to tight ends this season. So this could be a really big game for Darren Waller because that's one of their weaknesses. What about a streaming tight end? A streaming tight end? Um, man, I hate picking tight ends because it's just such a crapshoot this They're year. They're so all over the map. You're right. It's like there's three that you're going to play every week or something like that. Like, for example, like, okay, the Falcons have given up the most fancy points per game to, to, to tight end, right? But they're taking on New Orleans. But the way Taysom Hill is playing, he's not mm. even looking at tight end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't feel great about suggesting Jared Cook. Um, I mean, certainly on paper, it's a good matchup. I just don't know if he's going to, I don't know if he's going to get there, you know? Um, The Browns have given up the second most fantasy points per game to that position. They take on Tennessee, but it's like a full-on tight end committee there, you know? Um, Ferkser has eaten so much um, into the tight end, you know, position that it's just kind of like, I don't, 
I, again, John I don't feel, put I don't up feel a comfortable last week. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't feel comfortable. And I didn't even have Johnny. him in my lineup. So that's um, not on me. <laughs> that's not on you this time, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. There's not really, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, I don't like, for example, I think you're, you're going to play Mike Kosicki, right? Against the Bengals, but I don't necessarily know if he qualifies as a streamer. I think he's on right. enough rosters where, you know, I don't necessarily know if he's a pickup and play guy. Okay, so maybe so. I should take the word streamer out of it and just say, if you're looking for someone that's on you, go find somebody. Uh, but in terms of the others, because again, we've mentioned, it's like, there's a couple of tight ends this year that are yeah. good that you consistently play. Other than that, it's, you don't know if they're going to hit or miss. So let's just take the streaming word out of it and say, uh, one of the other tight ends that's going to hit. Yeah, I like Mike Kosicki this week. As okay. I mentioned, he's taken on the Bengals. The Bengals have allowed the fifth most fantasy points per game to the tight end position. I think Kosicki is um, – they don't use him that much, but when he is targeted, it seems to be for you know high-value targets, and we're talking in the red zone or deep downfield. So um, I think he is a player that, um, that, again, at a position that is very weak this year, I think you could play him with some confidence. Um, TJ Hawkinson takes on the bears. And, and again, I know the bears, you know, have been really, really tough uh, defensively, but surprisingly they have allowed the third most um, points to the tight end position. Maybe it's somewhat by the fact that Robert Tunyon just seems to eat these guys alive for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they, that he's not the only eight different tight ends have scored on them. So there you go. I mean, yeah, they, they've allowed eight touchdowns to that position that's um, tied for the second most in the NFL. So, um, so yeah, Can no, I, I think Hawkinson, Hawkinson is tight end three on the season. I know. I, dude. That tells listen. you everything you need to know about the tight end position this year. And, and, it, and it was crazy, too, because, you know, last week we, we were all, a lot of folks, a lot of fantasy insiders were uh, really high on Kyle Rudolph, and I'm watching the game unfold, and I'm like, Kyle Rudolph has done absolutely nothing. Kyle Rudolph legitimately did do nothing, and yet he finished with, like, I think 12 fantasy points, and I think he was, like, the tight end two or three on the week. You know, <laughs> like, that's, that's how bad – um, the tight end position has been. I legitimately thought that Kyle Rudolph did absolutely nothing, and then I look, it's like, oh wait, he finished. The, he finished the week as a top five tight end. Like what? Um, I don't know how it, that happened because I yeah, know. I was sitting next to you while we were watching the game, and we had a few different people in our DFS competition had played Kyle Rudolph because he was super cheap. Once we learned that right. Irv Smith was going to be out, and uh, Thielen obviously was out <laughs> too, so that changed the distribution of the ball there. And uh, about halfway through, we were like, oh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it wasn't even halfway through. I think it was like two drives in. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're putting Kyle Rudolph in the dirt. He's in the dirt. Yeah. So too early we did that. What about, <laughs> what about defense? Who's a defense that you're excited about this week? Um, hmm. Um, boy. Okay. Can I, can I throw up a question to you then? Yeah. Let me, let me focus this. Okay. The Raiders defense plays the Jets. Taking on the Jets. So Sammy you'd Darnold. look at that and you'd go, okay, it's a, from a matchup standpoint, that is, that's the one you want, right? Is yeah. whoever's playing the Jets, plug them in. But then the problem with the Raiders is that they have put up one or fewer points nine times this year as a defense. The, and yeah, and they're just not very, they're not a defense that creates turnovers. Um, their, their secondary is not very good. I like their safeties. I like their safeties a lot. Jonathan Abrams. Um, and Jeff Heath have, have made some plays. I think Jeff Heath has like three or four interceptions at the safety position somehow, some way. Um, and I, you know, to be honest with you, I, if I'm not mistaken, I know for a fact he has one against Patrick Mahomes. Um, I want to say, anyways, whatever he's playing. I want to say he had two against Mahomes. Yeah. I want to say he's got two against Patrick Mahomes. Anyways, whatever. Um, so they don't create a lot of turnovers. They don't get a lot of sacks. Um, but the Jets, (laughs) Sam Darnold has more turnovers than games played. So to me, if we're going to be picking on guys like Daniel Jones, um, who, who they love turning the ball over Sam Darnold's in that same boat. Um, And I do think that the, the Las Vegas Raiders are a streamable defense this week. Um, Kansas city, I think is obviously a strong play against, uh, Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos. They are not, I don't know how they do the projected points 
Uh-huh. But they're not a team that is very high up this week if you just look at the rankings based on matchup and projected points. And I couldn't quite figure out why based on the matchup. I think it's a wonderful matchup. Drew Locke loves to turn the ball over. And um, and KC, man, they their corners are really good. I think Breland might have missed practice on Thursday, maybe due to illness, but I'm not sure. But I, I think he will play. But um, the bottom line is, uh, Breland and I call him Charizard Ward, but Traverius Ward. Um, one See, of now I have a son who's into Pokemon, so I finally get that reference. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. I'm 40, you got so me now. that makes there's no excuse for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, by the way, I'm making that reference, ladies and gentlemen, just just because I'm I'm old and I watched Pokemon growing up, and not because of my my kids. That's <laughs> You're like, that's, no, that's on me. That's not parenting. That's actually me. That's, yeah, that's, uh, wow, I'm, I'm really aging myself. Anyway, um, no, but uh, Drew Locke is not a good quarterback. Um, he's turned the ball over at a high rate. And I think Kansas City, um, their cornerback tandem is one of, I don't know, like may, they're a top five cornerback tandem in the league. I want to say a top three cornerback uh, tandem as a tandem. Uh, in the league. Certainly New England's got a great tandem there. Um, Baltimore has an awesome tandem uh, there. And, and I, I like what Tampa Bay um, is generally doing. I know Carlton Davis has given up some yards, but I think he's a fabulous corner. Jamel Dean um, playing really good football too. So I, I, I would put them in that category of that Tampa Bay uh, category. So their, their corners are really, really good. And I think I would be, let me put it to you this way, Lindsay, I would be stunned if Kansas City does not come away with at least two two turnovers in that ballgame. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to also, if I was somebody who played a bunch of DFS, you know, lineups, like I know most people who play DFS do, yeah. I would have some shares of the Lions defense too. For the reasons mm. that I mentioned previously, Chicago likes to turn the ball over for some oh, yeah. reason. That happens. It's a good matchup. You would think normally that the Lions defense would not be able to take advantage of that matchup. They're right. only $2,500 on DraftKings. Oh, that's So cheap. I, I think that that's a defense that I would maybe roll with here and there too. And I think Seattle too is, is certainly going to be um, a defense that you can play. Um, you know, again, Colt McCoy, again. And it's funny because I know, I know people are saying, but you just said you could play Colt McCoy. And I'm saying, yes, you can do both things because both You're... things can be true. Mm. You can have a pick six, but also throw for two touchdowns. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I, and I feel like that's kind of sort of what is in the realm of possibility, uh, for Colt McCoy, who I think can maybe put up like, let's say like 250 yards and two touchdowns. That's actually a pretty decent day, right. Uh, from a streaming quarterback, but at the same time, I think he could also have like two interceptions. I think he could get sacked a bunch of times. Um, uh, so I, I do think that, I think that Seattle defense is actually a, a playable, um, streaming defense this week as well. I want to get a couple of fades in here and I want to start out with the asterisk. This is the disclaimer, right? If you're in a season long league and I throw out a high profile person's <laughs> name, don't sit right. him down as you head into the postseason. Right, right, right. Um, but I I've got I've got think two. I might be fading in DFS in particular. Okay. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. That, that was one of my two that I was going to give just, you. All they did last week was run. And he still only had six fantasy points. Now, I realize that he was a little bit banged up during the week, and they might have been taking the opportunity to get him healthy and rest him right. up. And so right, it right. might have been just a total anomaly. But even the week before, they didn't target him at all, or he didn't catch the ball at all the week before. He's only been targeted three times since Taysom Hill took over at quarterback. That's Lindsay a Rhodes. big part of his fantasy Lindsay game. Lindsay Rhodes. Yeah. Over the last two games, mm. he has negative two yards receiving. That's not good. Negative mm -mm. two yards. <laughs> what? That's crazy. No. But more um, concerning to me than that is, is just the targets, because from a yeah. fantasy standpoint, uh, right. I don't care if every every pass, as as long as you're catching it and I'm getting that PPR point, again, I'm talking about fantasy football here and not real-life football, but if you lose yards on that, that's fine. I just want good. the catch. There's no opportunity for him to catch the ball now. Taysom Hill is not doing that. That's not a part of their offense. 
the snap share for Alvin Kamara has, has plummeted. It, it's been a 50-50 snap share the last two weeks with Taysom Hill under center. Latavius Murray um, playing, I think, like 48% of the snaps and Alvin Kamara playing about 50. Um, so, yeah, it's... It do you expect that to continue concerning. this week? Because again, I last do. week was a weird anomaly. I get their game against the Broncos. The strategy was totally different. You could afford to rest Alvin Kamara if you wanted to. Latavius Murray's 19 carries for 124 yards on the ground. You could potentially look at that and write that off. Or you could look at it and say, they're using him a lot more in the offense with yeah. Taysom Hill. And, and he I fits think- better for some reason. And I think that's exactly what it is. I think mm. Taysom Hill, um, as a, a running quarterback, needs to have that threat um, at, from a guy that can run it between the tackles. Uh, and, and so when I'm saying a threat running the ball, I'm not degrading what Alvin Kamara is doing. I think he's, again, you know, one of the top two or three backs in the NFL. Um, but I think where he is really effective is getting to the outside, right? Um, but if you want a guy who's going to run a little read option, but when you run read option, right, you're not running outside zone on read option. You're just not doing it. Um, so what happens? You need a running back that is more of a threat, um, to hurt you on, on carries that go between the tackles. And I think that that running back is Latavius Murray. Um, you know, or I'll say this at least the coaching staff, it doesn't matter what I think. Right. It matters what Sean Payton thinks. And I, and it seems to me like Sean Payton believes that Latavius Murray is more of a threat to run it between the tackles than Alvin Kamara. Um, But I agree with what you're saying. We can forget about the run share. Um, Whatever we're seeing out of the backfield in terms of passes, that's what is cratering Alvin Kamara's stock. Um, you mentioned he's only got three targets over the last two games. How much of a dip is that? Well, he averaged nearly nine targets a game game. prior a game, nine targets. I mean, those are wide receiver numbers, like not just wide receiver numbers, like top 10 wide receiver numbers. Um, in addition to what he was giving you on the ground, um, and, and forget about all the touchdowns too, because he's just not seeing the ball. So um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really worried as somebody who has Alvin Kamara in, in a, in a season long league, I'm, I'm of course, again, priced into playing him, but, um, I don't feel great about it. It's a wonderful matchup against the Falcons, but how much volume is he going to see? You know what we're really hoping for, which is sad. Um, we are hoping that he makes a big play because I don't think he's going to get there on volume. He, he needs to get there on just a rando tackle long yeah break a tackle and just be alvin camara and in a perfect situation it's a catch (laughs) it's a catch and run like give me the extra point point on the play too (laughs) you know what i'm saying and he needs to get into the end zone um but yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be a scenario where they find themselves down because if they find themselves down, that changes this game. They have not had to play from behind with Taysom Hill as their quarterback. We don't yeah, know yeah. what that looks like. And that's not really what they're built to do right now with him as the quarterback. So if they're if they're having to play catch up, if the Falcons get out in front, then maybe that changes things for Alvin Kamara. Maybe it creates a scenario where Jameis Winston has to kind of rotate in every once in a while. I'm not sure what that looks like, but... I would suggest that from an Alvin Kamara fantasy standpoint, that might be a rest case scenario. Can I just say this too? Look, um, I actually did a deep dive onto Taysom Hill as, as a passer. Okay. Okay. As a passer. Um, And I am, I am actually, I came away more impressed than I thought I was going to. Is he the best pass? Is he the best throw in the world? No. Um, But the decision-making process, the arm strength, the playmaking ability, um, he has it. Um, is he the most, again, and, and to be honest with you, I think he's got better timing as a quarterback than Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a, a guy that, um, to steal, you know, uh, the guru's phrase, a see it and throw it guy. Um, and I don't think Taysom's that guy. Like, I think Taysom is, he can play a little bit of timing, but if it's not there, he's able to make plays with his legs uh, mm-hmm. way more than Jameis Winston will be able to do. Um, so yeah, I actually, having watched, uh, again, just a super cut of all of his throws, um, I came away feeling actually pretty good about Taysom Hill. Now, 
as an Alfa Camaro owner, I can't wait for Drew Not Brees so to come much. back. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, but um, if I'm a Saints fan, I actually feel okay about, um, from a real-life perspective, where the team might go if Drew Brees isn't available until, like, let's say the postseason. Um, I would actually feel okay with what Taysom Hill has put on tape thus far. Would you feel okay playing Todd Gurley this week? Because he's another one of my fades going up against oh, this Saints run defense, which no. is number one in the league. No, absolutely not. Um, Saints, Saints run D is, has been nasty. They're nasty this year. They're nasty last year. They're, they were nasty three, uh, two, three, two years ago. Um, and Todd Gurley just doesn't have it anymore. He's getting whatever he was doing before he was getting on just touchdowns. Yes. I mean, the guy had nine touchdowns in his first nine games. Um, and and he, if he doesn't get a touchdown, he's not a good fantasy asset because he doesn't even get work in the passing game, right? So for me, I, I, I'm no, I'm not playing Todd Gurley. Um, it's, I have not seen explosive plays from Todd Gurley almost at all this season. He's grinding out yards. I mean, I think he's like, you know, he's been below three yards a carry um, a bunch of different games this season. He's well below four yards a carry on the season. Um, and so, no, I, I think an inefficient running back, not using the passing game that is touchdown dependent against one of the best run defenses in the league. No, thanks. I'm also fading Matt Ryan. I don't know who plays Matt Ryan or where that fits in, but uh, I figure somebody in fantasy land is playing Matt Ryan. If Julio doesn't play, I guess I should put that disclaimer there. If Julio doesn't play and, you know, we're keeping an eye on that, I'm not playing Matt Ryan. With a healthy Julio, he averages 23.7 fantasy points. Without Julio, he's averaging 10. And that's a six-game sample size. So he takes a massive fantasy hit when he doesn't have Julio available to him in the lineup. Plus... The Saints are allowing the fewest points to quarterbacks since week eight. So I don't know that that's a great scenario for Matt Ryan fantasy owners. Uh, All of my fades are in that game. I don't know what that says (laughs) uh, about that game, though. I'm actually kind of excited to see how that game plays out. I feel like the Saints are one of those question marks now, as long as Taysom Hill is the quarterback. I want to watch just to see what it is that they're going to do now. And Oh, for sure. Can he go deep? And, you know, I feel like every last week's game was such an anomaly that I have so much to learn about them. Do you have any other uh, high-profile fades? Yeah, I don't know how you trust any passing assets there um, in Philadelphia taking on Green Bay. You know, Carson Wentz looked so bad um, this past week, and Green Bay's, you know, pass defense is is really good. So I don't know how you trust, you know, Jalen Rager, Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham is just like, disappeared he's, he's like gone. he's gone he's gone into the ether like we don't does he I, is he a real person I, I maybe he was just a dream i don't know you know I, but i'm dropping the, him this week if my waiver wire goes through for whatever reason peterson seems i don't know like doug peterson seems like he needs to play alshon jeffrey for some reason I, and i don't i really don't understand i don't understand that you know, Alshon at this point in his career, and I love Alshon, I think he's a great player um, or was a great player. But at this point in his career, he just he doesn't have it anymore, guys. You you found a legitimate great receiver. I won't say great, a good receiver in Travis Fulgham, who was yeah. making plays, who was building a rapport, building a connection with Carson Wentz. And what do you do? Alshon Jeffrey comes back and you just take snaps away from Travis Fulgham like. What y'all it's doing? Super weird. Like, I don't get that, you know? So, um, so yeah, Fulgham's out. You know, obviously you don't trust Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Greg Ward, Jalen Rager. I don't trust any of these Goddard. guys, you know? Goddard, no, because I didn't think, I think they just activated Ertz. I don't know if he's going to play or not, but they activated him. Um, so, no, I, I don't trust Goddard either, you know? It seems like Richard Rodgers seems to be stealing, stealing oh my gosh. Some, 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 you know, pivotal catches. So, no. That's the truth. I, I trust no one in that uh, Eagles offense. Even Miles Sanders has been a, a gargantuan disappointment. You know, and I know he's been hurt, but even when healthy, um, you know, Boston Scott uh, seems to be getting a lot of burn for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, no, I, man, it is so crazy. I don't trust anyone on the Eagles. And, and I say that because I feel like everyone, 
was expecting a bounce back year preseason from the Eagles. And I know injuries have absolutely ravaged that team. Um, And it's true. It has no doubt about it, but just watching them play again, you know, you talk about a lifeless team going through the motions, playing like they're double parked. I mean, that seems like the Eagles to me. Double parked. Well, James, I very much appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this knowledge, knowing full well that I will probably use it against you in our competition (laughs) on Sunday. Though this is the one week where it's a good week to come on because as I already told you, I'm testing myself to have already done my lineup and to leave it alone. I may or may not have mentioned some people that are in it positively or negatively, (laughs) but I'm going to try to leave it alone. I do have, yeah, no, you're right. I do. I've got a couple sleepers in the bag. Um, and, uh, and you know what, you'll see them, you'll see them on social media though. Cause I've featured them on a couple of different, um, of these skits that, uh, that I know that, uh, that, that, you know, for those of you unfamiliar, James Coe is incredibly creative when it comes to your fantasy skits. (laughs) I appreciate that. Jim Comer. Jim Comer. We got, we have Jim Comer coming out this week. Jim Comer is coming out this week and he's got uh, a couple of sleepers. One at running back. I'll give you a hint. It's JD McKissick and also a receiver in Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson. That's a go. It's a go. Two players that are widely available and, um, and I think could return dividends this week. Okay. Follow along on Twitter. It's at James D. Co. He also has a podcast that you can get through fantasy information very quickly, much more quickly than this. Uh, five minutes. It's the Fantasy <laughs> Five podcast available wherever you get podcasts. And then join us on Sunday for the DirecTV Fantasy Zone channel. Really quickly, buys this week, Bucks, Panthers. That's worth it. mentioning. Get them out of your lineup. Yep. You don't need me to tell you that, though, because you guys are pros, right? Thanks, James. I'll see you on Sunday. All right, see you.